Keystone event is just around the corner with the 2023 NHL Draft. I'm Chris Foster, joined by my co-host Kaylee Chelios. Kaylee, how's your offseason going? Just momming, Chris. It's going great. Took a little break from the hockey world, but uh, with the Blackhawks getting the first pick and all the exciting picks ahead, draft week coming up, uh, I'm really excited about it. So very excited to talk to you today, Corey. You're going to give us a rundown of all the good stuff that we want to hear. Yes, we have a, a special guest joining us on the Blackhawks Insider Podcast, Corey Pronman, who is, in case you don't know, your friendly neighborhood NHL prospects analyst for The Athletic. Corey, I, I ripped that off your Twitter bio. And if I'm catching the reference, you are a, a Spider-Man fan. So have you seen Across the Spider-Verse yet? I have not yet, but uh, I, I always loved using using that uh, that term from that show. And I, I think I'm friendly. Not everyone agrees, especially if, if I don't say anything about their farm systems or whatnot. But I, but I think I'm friendly. <laughs> well, to be honest, I, I shouldn't have even asked if you'd seen Across the Spider-Verse because you've been super busy as of late. And as a matter of fact, this week you came out with your latest and your greatest mock draft for the upcoming NHL draft not just the first round mock draft but rounds one through seven so I mean talk about a superhero effort putting together something like that how did that go was that exhausting is it a relief now that it's over how are you feeling now that you got your your final mock draft out there well we'll have one more next week the, the day of the of the draft but the seven round one is always a fun project I mean everyone always talks about the first round players for obvious reasons that's where the where most of the career NHLs are going to come first and, and and parts of the second round and it's where we spend all of our focus but there's going to be a lot of players drafted next week uh, a lot of guys who are going to be part of NHL organizations or even get minor league deals and I and these are players that I follow throughout the season um, in various junior leagues or, or um, in, in Europe, et cetera. So it's, it's a good way to get credit out to maybe some of the lesser known players that, that you hear about that might get drafted along the way. But uh, but I think for the most part, people still do care just mostly about the first and the second rounds. And Corey, it's it's been great to to be able to have access, even watching games, junior games, the World Junior Championships. Everything is online, but you do a lot of traveling. You've watched a lot of these players in person throughout the year, throughout the season, and you've seen the the best talent uh, in draft eligible prospects all season long. The Blackhawks have an opportunity to select at number one and get a franchise change, changing player. That could be Connor Bedard. What does that mean for the Blackhawks to get a player of that caliber and moving forward with this organization, how impactful that can be? Well, staying the obvious, that's, it's the hardest part about a rebuild is getting that franchise changer, getting that true potential star. You know, we'll, we'll see how Connor's career goes in the NHL, but he's shown every indication he could be a star one day in the league. Uh, but hockey is a complicated sport in terms of trying to build a team like that. It's not like football where you can get that one quarterback and you're a contender. In basketball, you get that one-star player and you're a contender. In hockey, you need more than just that piece. And you, you know, Connor McDavid has not been in the Stanley Cup final yet, for example. Austin Matthews has not been past the second round of the playoffs. It, it's not always that simple. Um, you know, Rasmus Dallin hasn't made the playoffs yet, for example. But it, it's, but it's, it's a, it's the hardest first part to do especially with the way the lottery is set up right now in the NHL, where there are never a guarantee when there is that star player available, you're going to get the first overall pick because of how the odds are distributed. Um, so to get that piece, now now you have a foundation. Now you have a real plan to turn the organization around. It's not still going to happen tomorrow or the, or the day after. 
because, you know, they, again, you like Kevin Korczynski a lot. He looks like a great prospect. Lucas Reichel looks like a great prospect. You know, but there's a lot more work to do here in Chicago. You know, this, I, and I don't just they're be winning this season or next season or maybe even the season after. But with Connor Bedard, you have somebody who you can envision being the critical piece of the contender. And that is, like I said, the hardest part to get in a rebuild. Corey, putting together a mock draft for the 2023 draft is really easy when it comes to who's going to go number one overall. Connor Bedard has been identified as the number one pick in this draft since even before the 2022 draft, where it was much harder to make a mock draft with the number one pick in that instance. And The Athletic has come out with so much good content, so many great articles about Connor Bedard, about the draft process, and I stumbled upon one from last year, as a matter of fact. And one line stood out to me. It mentioned that the conversation around top prospects in hockey eventually shifts to what they aren't. You know, I hate to say a weakness, but perhaps a, a flaw in a top prospect's game. I haven't heard a whole lot of that around the conversation about Connor Bedard. I'm not hearing a whole lot about what this guy isn't. It's all about what this guy is. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I know. I mean, I think that's because there's a lot of positives in the player's game. I think, you know, he checks almost every box. I think, you know, the skating is an asset. It's not any like most elite skater in the world, but he's, I think he'll be an above average NHL skater. Uh, he has elite hands. He makes a ton of plays. He has a game breaking shot. He's a very competitive player. He's physical. If you wanted to point to the one, you know, flaw in his game, it would be his frame. You know, he's barely five foot ten. He is not like this, this physically imposing player. So I think you know the closest analogy to that situation, number one, would probably be Jack Hughes. Uh, I think many would look at the two players and argue that Bedard is ahead of Hughes at the same age as a player, maybe not by leaps and bounds, but ahead of him. And I think, but it took Jack because of his how physically underdeveloped he was, maybe a year or two to really get going. And now he's an MVP candidate in the in the league. And I think with Bedard, that is would be the one concern you have is how will he physically hold up? Maybe not when he's 20 or 21, but when he's 18 in the NHL next season but I, I mean he's so talented and like I said not only is he so super talented but he's really competitive uh you know he's always been the guy people go after when even in junior hockey because he has the target on his back and he's got some physical pushback in his game so I don't think there's any concerns that he will make that adjustment it just may not it may be a tough day one adjustment he crushed the pull-ups at the <laughs> draft combine Kaylee I don't know if you saw that Beat me. I can't do one. So I was pretty impressed watching that. It's a good sign for whatever team is so lucky to be able to choose him at number one. And just kind of going off of what Chris just asked you, uh, when you get a player or if you were to get a player like Connor Bedard, you mentioned names like Hughes. He's been compared to Patrick Kane, Austin Matthews with his shot. Um, how do you build around that in the offseason if you're Kyle Davidson as well? Do you have to get supporting players? How important is that for a prospect's development in their first year if he is NHL-ready or if whoever the Blackhawks select is an NHL-ready player? Well, like I said before, I think the Chicago team is still quite a few years away from actually trying to be a contender, never mind a playoff team. Uh, but I think if they didn't win the first overall pick this year, if they're picking fourth, fifth, sixth, getting a guy who's probably two, three years away, you approach this offseason kind of how you approach this past offseason where you're thinking that it's going to take some time here still. You know, we're not winning this year. Maybe we add some supplemental pieces around, try to build a respectable roster. But this is, this is about the young kids again. 
this season. But I think with now that you know Connor Bedard's going to be in your top six on day one next season, you've got to give him some real players to play with. He can't be pinned in his zone 80% of the time. Uh, it doesn't mean you're going in and getting aggressive and, and working in the future or you know handing out irresponsible contracts, but there will be you know quality free agent forwards on the market. And I think that the Blackhawks owe it to Bedard to make sure he's actually playing with, with people who can get him the puck. We're with Corey Pronman of The Athletic here on the Blackhawks Insider Podcast. Talking 2023 NHL Draft, Corey just came out with his latest, not his final, but his latest mock draft where he went through all seven rounds of the upcoming NHL Draft. Corey, do you think the hype has gotten too much around Connor Bedard? Has it gotten unchecked? Look, we're, we're, a, we're a Chicago Blackhawks podcast, and the excitement in the Blackhawks front office among the fan base, it is at an all-time high relative to anything I've ever seen, which is great. It's fabulous. Again, for an organization that has struggled, been mediocre at best over the last five years in terms of the product on the ice, this is a huge injection into the hope and the optimism and the enthusiasm around the organization. But is, is there any concern from your perspective or from the people that you talk to that maybe the hype has gotten a little bit too out of control involving Connor Bedard? Well, I think you're allowed to be excited when you get the first overall pick. I think yeah, I mean, the NHL draft is about optimism and, and hope for the future. And, and you know, that the, there's a chance that this player can really help turn your franchise around. So I don't mind that aspect of it. And I think Connor's done so many positive things over his junior career to, to, to be, to deserve that, to, to be part, to be hyped up significantly. I, I do worry a little bit about, you know, maybe touting a 17 year old as a guaranteed, no doubt superstar in the NHL, because while a lot of those number one picks or those guys who even like maybe the, you know, the elite number two is like Jack Eichel, for example, you know, become uh, NHL stars or help their team win Stanley cup. You know, I remember what people, you know, Alexi Lafreniere, for example, hasn't exactly, you know, delivered on what we thought he was going to do when he was a junior. You know, Yakupov obviously didn't deliver what he thought he was going to do as a junior. I would even argue Taylor Hall, who was an incredible junior player, had a great and has had a great NHL career, but probably didn't deliver what you thought he was going to do. So there's always risks, and there's no guarantees with 17-year-olds. But like I said, and you know, I would the only thing I would I would worry about with with the Bedard uh, hype machine is calling him McDavid. I would probably draw a line there in that I thought McDavid, when I saw him at the same age, was a kind of like a freak of nature, and you know, just like one of the best hockey players I've ever seen in my life at that age. Um, Bedard is not, you know, is kind of in that group under there. If you want to throw him in with Austin Matthews at the same age, Jack Hughes at the same age, you could argue ahead of him, ahead of both of them if you want to. I think it would be reasonable. But yeah, I would just, I would just maybe, in terms of where I would draw the line of the hype, I just would kind of say maybe he's not McDavid. But I don't think it's unreasonable to say anything else about him because, like I said, I mean, you look at what he's done in WHL, you look what he's done at the World Juniors, um, you look at his, the, the game-breaking traits he has, and 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 how hard he plays every night. I think there's a ton of reason to be very optimistic about him if you're a Chicago Blackhawks fan. Well, and the Blackhawks, they have a, a lot of work to do with the draft this year with 11 picks. It's a very talented forward, um, heavy, a lot of skill, a lot of talent. Um, can you give us a little rundown on some of the players? The Blackhawks obviously have the first pick, but then they drop to 19. Can you give us a, a rundown of some of the players that you thought might fit well for the Blackhawks in your mock draft? 
Yeah, like you said, this is a forward heavy draft. There are still good defensemen in the in this draft, but there are only, I would say, a couple of them, three, maybe four, that you would argue as premium defensemen. And for those reasons, I suspect most of them will be gone by 19 just because of how highly valued defensemen are in the draft. So I think there's no guarantees, but I think you are likely looking at a forward option again at 19 in Chicago, which I think is fine. It fits into what they really need right now in the organization. You know, with Jonathan Taze gone, with Patrick Kane gone, with Kevin Korczynski in, in, in the mix added last season with, with the seventh overall pick, there is a need for forwards. So I think you're going to be looking at a variety of options. I think several of the Canadian forwards will be could be available, whether it's Brian Yeager, whether it's it's Colby Barlow, uh, whether it's Callum Ritchie. I think those are all kind of guys that are going to go around that range. Um, the, the Russian winger Daniel Boot is kind of thought of as a top 10, 12 talent in this draft, but because he is on a KHL contract for two more seasons, he might fall a little bit further. We'll see on draft day. I think David Edstrom, the Swedish center, is well thought of in the league. He's a guy who can be in that mix. And then I think you have two U.S. program kids, whether it's Gabe Perot, Oliver Moore, who I can see as pl- plausible candidates. I don't, I don't think all of those guys are going to be available at 19. Just, just uh, you know, Someone's got to go higher. But I think those are kind of the pool of candidates that you'll be looking at at 19. Corey, in addition to Connor Bedard at the and the top of the draft class, it's considered a very deep draft as well. Looking at that 19th pick that the Blackhawks also have in the first round, is the talent that you expect will be available with that pick be close to NHL ready right away, or are you looking at at prospects that are still a few years out? I think still a few years out. Like I think yeah, there maybe. It's it's deep in the sense that like you know that maybe a guy you would have got at 19 where you wouldn't you would have got, would have got him at 15 or 14 a year a year before but it's it's that's still a guy who you're waiting three four years on uh, I think think realistically to help you win games I think you know that it, rebuilds are tough in, in hockey for those reasons and that outside of those special players like Connor Bedard like Adam Fantilli whether you bring him in right away or not even if they're on the team in two or three years they're probably not helping you win hockey games right away I think. Is in, and I know that's going to be a frustrating part of, of watching a rebuild at the same time. But, you know, I mean, whoever you pick at 19, they're going to be part of when Frank Nazar come in. They're going to be part of when Sam Renzel come in. It's, it's all about building a core and building up talent. But I don't think that player is, is, going, to be a, is going to be in Chicago in the next year or two in, a, in any meaningful manner. Right. That's still been the message from the executives from Kyle Davidson. They're going to do this right. They're going to take their time. And it obviously is incredible. And it's a great opportunity to have the number one pick. But do you foresee or have you talked about or heard anything, possibilities where the Blackhawks are able to trade up, potentially get higher than 19 second, or if they even just can add a, a third first rounder at all? I, there's always rumors going around the time of year. You, you hear of certain teams that may want to trade up or down. Obviously, Chicago with with the two firsts are, are teams that, that I think most of the teams that have multiple first round pick, whether Chicago, St. Louis, um, Montreal, San Jose, those are the, those are the teams you tend to be hear the most rumors about in terms of how they might use their draft capital. Um, ultimately, it is it's hard to speculate without knowing what you know how they prioritize certain players and what and what the deals being offered are. Um, but I think with Chicago, you know, they've had a lot of draft picks in recent years. And I think you, you look at this organization, I think you want to get premium talent. And so, but you look at the NHL roster and it's, you know, I don't know exactly what they would do that with. I don't know exactly what, how they could even manufacture that trade because they don't really have a lot of players on their roster right now that are highly desirable to other teams. Do you think there's a player in that maybe pick five to 19 window? If the Blackhawks were to draft up higher into the first round 
or stay where they are. Is there a forward prospect who's got a skill set that you think complements Connor Bedard particularly well? Or, you know, with the, again, a guy of Bedard's skill set with a, with a shot that he has, you know, it, it probably, ma- probably makes it easy. I'm sure there are a lot of forwards with a skill set that could, that could complement that very well. Yeah, I don't know if a compliment, but I think the one guy that not just Chicago, but a lot of teams are kind of watching to see what happens in terms of a trade-out possibility is Matvey Michkov, a guy who coming into the season, most people who would watch him would have said he was, you know, second player, best player in the draft, maybe third best player in the draft. Uh, but because of his KHL contract with Scott St. Petersburg for three more full seasons after the draft um, and, and other complicating variables, you know, with, with, the, with the war going on overseas, uh, I think there is a possibility, no guarantees. Nobody in the league really knows where this guy's going to go. In. It wouldn't shock anybody if he went five. It wouldn't shock anybody if he went 15. But I think because there is that possibility of that range, uh, whether it's Chicago or other teams, I think we'll be closely monitoring what happens with Mitchkov. And I think that's the guy in the league that people are trying to see what would a trade-up for that guy realistic look like and do we, and do we want to do it. I was going to ask, do you think now as it gets closer that there is a possibility that he falls outside the top 10, and how far do you think he could fall, and could he fall into 19? <laughs> I, I, 19 would surprise me a lot, just because I think, I think I said, I think there's a certain line where I think teams will do it blindly. I think there's a certain line where teams will get aggressive with trade-ups, because it's, it's, it's very hard to trade-up to five, to trade-up to six or seven, because especially if, you don't ha- if you're not picking a couple picks later, because that team has to now move down. You know, what are you offering them really to make them go do that? So that that's a really hard trade to manufacture. Trading up to like 11, 12, 14, that is a little bit more of a realistic trade and, and, and so a package that a lot of teams could put together a, a little easier. Um, but in terms of where he actually goes, like I said, I, I really wish I had a confident answer because it is the question of the draft right now and things that everyone's trying to figure out, just like how this time last year we were trying to figure out where is Shane Wright actually going to go. That was the big question of the draft going into it. And right now, like I said, my best guess is I think he will be, a, uh, you know, I think either seven, eight, or nine is my best guess, that being Philadelphia at seven, Washington at eight, Detroit at nine is my best guess. Do I really know? No. Like there are people who are convinced he can go higher. There are people in the league convinced he can go way lower. Nobody really knows because I. And the reason why I think nobody really knows is around this time of year when the teams are picking high, you kind of get a sense of who they're zeroing in on, just because the pool of cans are so small. But with this player, it's not really about the hockey ops people. Like I think all the hockey people agree he's a good player. It's about what the GM's uh, security is. It's about what their risk tolerance is. And the ownership makes a very important decision on this pick as well, given all the implications with it. So until we actually know what certain owners think, it's hard to say exactly where he's going to go. Corey, who are some prospects outside of the first round that are generating a buzz? Oh, I mean, that's a very wide number of players. Um, I can... Think of a couple of guys that I think have some interest. Uh, you know, I think Pekarczyk, Uri Pekarczyk, is one that, that I keep hearing about as we get closer because just because he's a guy who's a couple of days eligible away from being 2024 20, eligible, and he's had a very good U18 Worlds, and he's a good, you know, good-sized forward who can skate, uh, who has skill, scored a lot of points in the U18 World Championships. Uh, Jakub Dvorak, a Czech defenseman, is a guy who I think is getting a lot of interest just because he's a six-foot-five defenseman who was the captain of his Czech age group, but he was injured a lot this season, has had two operations on his clavicle, but he's a guy who was thought of as a first-round 
potential player coming into the season before the various injuries. So, I mean, those are two guys that I know are getting uh, quite a bit of interest. And I think uh, in, in terms of the Swedish defense, everyone talked about Tom Willander and Axel Sand and Pelika, but I think Theo Lindstein, uh, who is who played SHL games this year, is getting a lot of interest. Same thing with Anton Wahlberg, who played SHL against this game, SHL games this season with Malmo. Both of them are very talented players. And finally, maybe one of the most fascinating prospects of this draft is Danny Nelson, uh, who is a 6'3 center who plays for the U.S. National Team Development Program. But he was a high school defenseman the season prior. So there's kind of a he's, you know, he's big, he can skate well, there's some, a little bit of offense there. And there's kind of like this open question in NHL circles, is he a center or is he a defenseman? It's good to have that option sometimes. With, with a player, you don't really see that that often. And I think Danny Nelson, for that reason, is one of the most fascinating prospects in this draft. Corey, Connor Bedard seems to be the the first. He's probably going to go first. Do you think anything could shock us? What about numbers two and three for you? Would there be anything that happens at this draft that you think might shock people or we might be surprised by? I think there is a serious debate in Anaheim right now about whether they're going to take Leo Carlson or Adam Fantilli. I don't think they've resolved that. Uh, I, I, my, my hunch is it still will be Fantilli at the end of the day, um, but I can't sit here and tell you that confidently. Um, in terms of shocks, I'm trying to think of any names that could really like kind of rattle, rattle people. The only ones that I can think of would be one of the two defensemen that are not David Reinbacher. I think people expect David Reinbacher to go very high right now. But because of the lack of premium defensemen in this draft, it would not shock me if Tom Willander heard his, heard his name very early. It would not shock me if Dmitry Simashev heard his name very early. Just because of those need for those premium puck-moving mobile defensemen. Um, in terms of the top of the draft, I expect it's going to be, like I said, Bedard, Anna Fantilli, Will Smith, Leo Carlson in some order. And then right when Montreal picks at five, I think it's when it starts, getting, starts to get very interesting. Corey, how is your mock draft different from a prospect ranking? I understand there might be some overlap there, but for example, you have Anton McDonald going 195th <laughs> to the Blackhawks in the seventh round. Do you believe that's who the Blackhawks want with their seventh round pick, or is that just your 195th ranked prospect in the draft? No, that, that is not my personal ranking. I have a personal uh, ranking that I, that I did a few weeks ago. Uh, that's just Again, I have no idea who they're taking the seventh round pick. Um, <laughs> I do the I do I do the seventh round mock uh, every year, and there's a couple of times where you, you hit on one of those later round picks, and it's kind of funny, and 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 fans and or teams wonder whether there's a leak, um, but <laughs> but but you but usually it's just a coincidence because you kind of hear roughly you kind of again it just comes from evaluating players. You kind of have an idea what what range of the draft these guys typically fall into based on their their traits and then their season they had. And you kind of can make a rough estimate. Uh, but no, I, I don't have any inside sources on who Chicago's taking in the seventh round. I'm going to be cross-referencing your seventh round draft picks when the seventh round actually happens. And you know, Corey, hockey fans <laughs> love a good conspiracy theory. So uh, I think that'll make for some, for some good social media content for sure. <laughs> yeah, like I, said, uh, like I said, there's been a couple instances. I think there was one year, uh, the Caden Gooley draft for Montreal. I forgot what year that was exactly. I think I got like four or five of their picks right in the same draft. And I, I think that might have, that, that, that might, that might have, uh, <laughs> who's your source. Exactly. <laughs> which again, it was just, a, it, it was nothing there. It was just, it was, just a, it was like a funny coincidence. Well, Corey, uh, Kaylee, actually, do you have any, any other final questions for Corey? We got to let him go. Hi, maybe just when do you start your mock draft? It just seems like it's it's got to start early and you're just building off of it. When do you begin this? 
Uh, well, the seven round one, I think, is a, it takes about a couple of weeks typically to put together. But the, but in terms of actually learning about the players, that is a, a year plus round process. I usually start doing very early work on the age group around the middle of the season. So around November, December, for example, of the of of next season, I'll start doing preliminary work on the following year's age group. And then obviously once this draft is over, you start going really heavy into next year's age group, starting with the Holinka Gretzky tournament, which I'll be, I'll be at in August, for example. We'll be calling you, Corey. <laughs> Thank you. Fascinating stuff. Corey Pronman of The Athletic. Thanks so much for joining us, Corey. Uh, over 60,000 followers on Twitter, and I, I've noticed that you, like us, have eschewed the blue check mark. Not paying for that subscription service, so props to you, man. <laughs> Democracy! We're, 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 we're the people's Twitter account. I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> All kidding aside, congratulations, your seven-round mock draft, a, a magnum opus that you that you put out year in and year out. Enjoy the draft. Blackhawks Nation will certainly be watching. Will you be in Nashville for it? I will be, yes. Awesome. Well, again, he is Corey Pronman of The Athletic, and thank you so much for joining us for this NHL draft special episode of Blackhawks Insider Podcast. This is just the tip of the iceberg as far as Blackhawks content is concerned. Over the course of draft week, there will be two draft parties going on, one in Nashville, one in Chicago, and all kinds of social media content and plenty of content on Blackhawks.com as well. You can always check out the team website for the latest news and notes. For Corey and Kaylee, I'm Chris. Thanks for watching a very special draft edition of the Blackhawks Insider Podcast.